Guns and guns and guns and guns. Hooroo! Hooroo! It's Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast where Josh didn't know that those were the words to the song, and I'm still not sure they are. How are you doing, John? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. I, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I know that it was really fucking annoying, and they made sure and sang it more than once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. Super prepared for the episode today. I, that oh, good. Was, not the thing that just came to my mind because I was thinking about the movie. That was all planned. <laughs> Great. And what, what is the plan? What are the movie that we are talking about that the listener tote don't know about? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, this go-round, this is our 70th film that we'll be covering. Nice. Jesus Christ. Um, yes. and, and what we will be covering is Perry Blackshear's they look like people from 2015. Yes. Thank yes. you, Perry. Good job, Perry. <laughs> well done, Mr. Perry. <laughs> yeah, this is the first of three movies that I like to think of as a trilogy. They might not actually be a trilogy, but... Um, so he, uh, it, it's his first full-length film. It's the second film is called The Siren. It stars the exact same actors. Uh, it's basically the exact same story, except more. It's in a lake, and uh, and then the next one is When I Consume You, which again, basically the exact same actors. There's a little bit more of a different actor in there, and it's not the same story and. I have a hard time following that movie. But all three are kind of like what if a monster movie, but more about the vulnerability and challenges of the minutia of actual human existence. And it's pretty cool. I like what Perry Blackshear is putting out there. I agree. Um, I mean, this is <laughs> this is easily a genre that could fall flat on its fucking face. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, or subgenre or whatever you want to put it. But... Uh, he does He does a great job with this movie. I haven't seen the other two. I just watched the trailers. They look good. They look, uh, I mean, they're a step up maybe in production. Not that this movie looks bad. It just looks bare bones. Um, yeah. But it looks fine. I mean, it doesn't, it's, you know, it, it's suitable for the story. Um, and, you know, and he does a great job. I mean, I think that, you know, it's not, is it my favorite horror movie? No, but it's, uh, it's a good one. And as far as this genre, it's, probably going to be one of the better ones i mean you know we, what's the two guys of the names i always forget that have done the kind of super paranoid like buddy movies uh and now they've kind of broken into hollywood a little bit yeah you're talking about the the ones where they have um like the one where the one guy is a junkie and he's on a mattress yeah. and is brit yeah i can never remember their name it kind of it kind of reminds me of that you know like kind of this indie rock version of or didn't you say like mumblecore horror or something yeah yeah mumblecore is like the general vibe of like this era and style of filmmaking where it's like super uh uh i i guess intimate camera work and not um clearly spoken dialogue and uh yeah very very mild on the production values intentionally um kind of rem reminds me of the dogma movement uh yeah. the the danish dogma movement where 
you weren't allowed to use external lighting and you weren't allowed to use music and you know everything had to be just the story itself everything happens on that you know that is happening on screen is it's all you know almost like a linear you know just it's like a uh, what what was the term they used it, it was a, you know basically forcing themselves to minimize the production value just you know as some sort of a a vow of purity, essentially, and uh, this this is kind of like that, except without any of those values being pushed. It's just a it's just a cheaply produced film. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't have a lot of money. They had a cool story, and uh, apparently, they hired an absolute total fucking genius to do the sound design because the the sound design on this film is absolutely top notch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a character. It, it, it's Probably the best character, to be honest. <laughs> it's the New York of this movie. Yeah, it's the, the the sound design in this film is by far the best performance. Yeah, I uh, I didn't even realize it because most of the t- all of the times that I'd watched it until the very last time when I took my notes, I was just watching it on a TV with speakers and yeah. then actually watching it with headphones. I was like, wow, this movie is like an entire immersive experience, which I should have figured because the movie is also a little bit up its own ass about it sound. Is. It so, is. So uh, I should have figured that he was like, oh yeah, I'm doing cool shit with sound. You're you're not paying close enough attention, my guy. It was cool because it was relatively subtle. I mean, there are times where it's, you know, more more overt, but I mean, there's always a little something going on, like traffic going on in the background, cars whooshing by. Um, and then when a moment gets really tense, suddenly there are no cars whooshing by. And then yeah. when the guy like returns to some sense of normalcy, the cars just kind of swell back in or there's a clock ticking in the background. You know, they, they did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of really good work went into this. So so Perry was the writer, director cinematographer and executive producer on this and the other two films in the in the in this sequence um all of them starring these same three actors you've got uh mcleod andrews as wyatt evan demochelle as christian i don't know if that's how it's pronounced and margaret ying drake as mara 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 whatever yeah i called uh the uh evan demochelle character dollar store chris pine (laughs) <laughs> oh, but I like him so much more than Chris Pine. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Honestly, though, I just refer to him as muscles throughout my uh, <laughs> yeah. description, and the other guy as Beardy. <laughs> yes. Oh man, you will like um, the Siren way more because Beardy gets even more Beardy. Like, like in this one, he's scruffy, and that one, he's like full blown, you know, pube face. I mean, they're you know they're. They're relatively good-looking people, so they're not horrible to look at, which is always a nice thing. Um, yeah. They don't, you know, they don't have movie star faces, but they have memorable faces, and it, it you know, it helps because you're yeah. going to spend eighty minutes listening to them mumble. They better at least look good. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's one of the things that holds this movie together is charm. Like, uh, yeah. if if there if the actors were not charming and engaging on screen, this movie would just be the worst thing ever. But they're <laughs> yeah, not. That's true. They're yeah. charming. They're engaging. You're like all three of them. Like you're rooting for them. You're worried about them. You can laugh at their stupid things and and enjoy them. You could probably imagine being friends with any of them. 
Yeah, I, I thought there was, you know, a reasonable amount of depth in the characters. I mean, he didn't go overboard because he didn't need to. Yeah. Um, it's very much a genre film, but there is some character development, which is always appreciated. And, um, and, and, and they were written well, which is even more appreciated. So, you know, you've got, I mean, we'll get into it, but, um, I thought it was, I thought it was cool the way that, uh, Christian had mix of, you know, like he, he's this guy who's kind of turned his life around from being seen as a super nerd. Now he's like Mr. Muscles, but he's still extremely timid. And that really plays into this this story heavily um you know the other guy is a little bit more one-dimensional he's a little bit more of kind of like your your typical paranoid weirdo but he also as you mentioned adds a lot of charm to the characters some humor and and uh which is cool because they they do a really good job of having these light moments that still feel threatening (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so let's not bandy about much longer john why don't you start us off with the the summarizing the first quarter of the movie excellent well beardy wakes up uh in the middle of the night next to a lady who's got her back her back of her head like she's her back's turned to him she rolls over to face him and her face is completely blacked out you can just see the the only part that's lit is kind of like the outer contour of her head um, you hear a fly buzzing, and you get the title credit, and then immediately after that, you get this kind of like, kind of like a montage sort of deal where it's like, Beardy is is traveling through New York. He's gonna he's supposed to meet someone apparently. Uh, then we see Muscles. He's working out in the gym. Then he's at work and he's smiling at this lady, and uh, then he's commuting, and then Muscles is listening to really horrible self help bullshit. Uh, when he runs into Beardy very awkwardly on the sidewalk, and they have an incredibly awkward reunion, uh, he invites Beardy, who is an old, old friend. I think they're, now they're like old best friends. You, you learn about it more later. But uh, he invites him up to see his, his apartment because it's really nice. Oh, yeah. And he gives him the tour of his bare bones apartment, but still a nice kind of a nice place i mean for new york it had to be like ten thousand dollars a month or something yeah i mean he had a he had a badass basement um and by badass i mean you know general dilapidated horror movie basement yeah um they crack a bunch of shit jokes uh they head up to the roof and stare longingly at the skyline they get back in more awkward conversation we find out that beardy's girlfriend cheated on him and split uh so that that wedding was off um in the meantime, Muscles gets a reminder on his phone that he's got a date with Mara, and uh, he tries to invite Beardy along with him, but Beardy's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be a third wheel. And so uh, it convinces him to stay the night, and you know, because I mean, where else are you going to stay? So he's yeah. like, it, it's very uh, it's very awkward, uh, you know, it's a little, a little difficult for me at the beginning there. Um, Muscles is showering, he's talking to himself, uh, Calls himself a mountain. Tells him tells himself not to be a little bitch. You um, are a mountain. It's so weird. Uh, mean, meanwhile, Birdie has fucked off. Beardy has fucked off down into the basement, where he is duct taping a knife under a work table. Great. Um, and then later they they meet back up after Muscles has finished his shower, and like all good friends, Muscles has Beardy shave his back. Uh, then, then uh, 
Beardy puts on some pants, realizes they're not his pants, because Muscles gave him pants to wear, and then they're off. On the way, Mara calls and says that the girl that she's with, her friend that she's bringing along, uh, is, has to go to the hospital. So they meet up with these girls. Her name's Sandy. Apparently she slipped on the ice. There's no ice anywhere. But she slipped on the ice, fell, and hit her face. Uh, Beardy plays doctor by pulling out his cell phone and shining his flashlight on her face so we can see the makeup effects and very wisely says, you should have a doctor look at that. So they're off to the hospital where we see them sitting there waiting in some crazy, fat, wacky, three people's board in a hospital scene with some really serious chant music going on. Eh, they have a little bit of chit-chat. Somebody goes to get some snacks. Finally, they leave. The girl, I guess the girl's okay. She's going to be okay. Whatever. She's still there. Okay, they leave without her. Muscles and Mara share a um, awkward no-kiss moment. And then uh, he takes off into the subway. And she's going to catch a cab. Great. Uh, at home, Muscles uh, starts liquoring up and starts telling Beardy that he, you know, he, he wants to see if he can maybe get him a job. Which, I mean, that sounds like a really solid idea. Um... He tells him that he's going to stay over until he uh, gets the day of his upcoming job interview arrives, which I'm sure there is no such thing. It's fine. Um, Beardy has another dream, uh, but this time when she rolls over, we hear these really disgusting sound effects and uh, like meat being slapped or something. I don't know. It's really gross. And her, you just see her face move just a little, like, whoop, just warp a little bit, and then that dream scene over. But it was cool. Um, he wakes up because his phone is buzzing. It's in the middle of the night. It's this ridiculously low, like, you know, a, a, a digitally affected, I guess, uh, male voice, ordering him to go to the basement and uh, that he needs to prep because the aliens are coming and he needs to get ready, he needs to leave town tonight, and uh, he's about to get one more order, and then he gets cut off. Um, now Beardy, Beardy is now, the next day, he's outside calling Dr. Calvino to move our meeting to tomorrow. So uh, that happens. In the meantime, Muscles is spying on him. It's not in the morning, that's still at night. Muscles is spying on him out the window. Great. Yeah. Uh, Muscles in, in the morning has copied his keys, leaves some keys for him, uh, pulls out a, a bill where he owes $35,000 on... Wow, I didn't even catch that. I guess it's his mortgage. I don't know what the fuck. Jesus. Uh, he, he awkwardly pretends to pal around with Beardy over some AM coffee. Uh, Beardy eats a PB&J. Great. Later, alone in the apartment because Muscles has gone off to work, Beardy is snooping around. Uh, he gets down in the basement. He's got a big bag of tools. Uh, he's fondling a hammer, uh, snooping around some more. And he, in a box of photos, he finds a photo of himself and his uh, open mouth orifice faced ghoul, uh, which was probably supposed to be his girlfriend. Okay, his girlfriend. It's disturbing, and but it's also been used. That kind of image has been used to death now. Yeah. Um, uh, Muscles is going about his terribly dull day while we hear more self-help stuff. Uh, back to Beardy, who's taking an extremely paranoid subway ride uh, to a lake out in the middle of nowhere where he meets Dr. Calvino. They talk about how Beardy is sober 
um, how you know, they talk a little bit about his failed relationships in his life, romantic and otherwise. Uh, Beardy requests meds, uh, tells the doctor about a, quote, dream he has about certain people around not being human. He's It's one of those, it's a dream, Dr. Calvino, not real. <laughs> so, yeah, and then he's, he's extremely paranoid. Uh, as Dr. Calvino turns away to write down a phone number on his business card, Beardy starts hearing the buzzing fly sound and clearly thinks that the doctor is an alien. Uh, so when Beardy takes off, he throws the card in a, in a little trash trash can along the way. It's, uh, yeah, it's a nice little paranoid atmosphere being built up here. Yeah. I, I also like the detail that the uh, that his psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever is terrible at his job. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like yeah, that's fine. No, I won't. I won't tell anyone. I won't tell your parents. I won't. That's fine. We'll just uh, just come back to my office later on. It'll be great. It's fine. Yeah, I, I like how he conducts patient visits as if these guys are sharing secrets about the federal government or something like that. I know, this totally looks like one of those movies where a guy has a folded up newspaper and there's something important in there. It's like Dr. Calvino, spook. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to let Captain Warning Signs over here go back into the world. Captain Warning Signs. Then at work, Christian and Mara spend time in an ASMR room, which yeah. is just in their office, but she didn't realize was in their office. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, as she implies that, uh, that Christian may get a promotion on Friday. And then they go for a walk where she absolutely obliterates him <laughs> to, to show him how good at judo she is. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> Back in the basement, Wyatt is prepping. He has axes, rope, and he, and he pulls out the um, Chekhov's nail gun, as I like yes. to call it. Nice. While the voice in his head is talking about Golgotha and how that's not a co-worker, it's a demon you must be ready to destroy. Later, Christian and Wyatt are going to go play basketball. Christian's talking about how he used to get pushed around at work all the time, but now he started dominating. Um, and Wyatt starts vetting Christian about whether he'd be like able to stand up if it came down to it or whatever. And Christian's not really like picking it up. And he's just like, yeah, I think if someone put a gun on me, I'd be like a badass about it. Uh, so, so they're not on the same wavelength about everything. And then they get drunk and they play Blobby Wars, which I'm not going to tell you what Blobby Wars is. You should go watch this movie and experience Blobby Wars for yourself. I've got to say, it looks like fun. <laughs> <laughs> looks like something we might play at work. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by a game that we basically did play at work, which was a sockball battle. <laughs> so good <laughs> and i like it like the, he's like no i have a, a gauntlet he's put a sock on his arm he's like it's a gauntlet if i catch it in my gauntlet it doesn't hit me like, <laughs> yes yes that would that makes sense i've i've played in boy scouts i played a game like that but instead of throwing socks at each other we were beating the shit out of each other with sticks <laughs> and one of my friends put on a little tiny leather archery glove and it's like, if I catch it in my hand, it hasn't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then we beat the shit out of his hand. 
because it wasn't in it. <laughs> oh, boy. Children are terrible. <laughs> then uh, Wyatt dreams about a gas-masked figure creeping up behind Christian and trying to rip his head open. And then he gets he wakes up to a call at midnight. It's from a female voice. It sounds like Mara, who tells him the monsters are vulnerable to acid and that he can tell when the war has started when he hears three claps of thunder in the clear sky. She says it's easy to kill a monster, but not to kill a monster that looks like a friend or a harmless innocent. Hoo-hoo! We're, we're getting going. Yeah, yeah, very specific. Yeah, uh, so after tooling around in the basement some more, he comes back up, he's hearing little skittering noises. This was where the headphones came in really, really handy. Little skittering noises, and so he hears something, he sees something, he jumps at it and punches it, and it turns out it was Christian, because this is the real world, and um, uh, feels bad about it, tries to play it off. Uh, Christian's still drunk or maybe hungover. Uh, and then leaves for work, because it is, in fact, the morning. Wyatt heads back to the basement and thinks about killing himself, puts the nail gun in his mouth, doesn't do it, then goes to nail his hand to the table, but it turns out that he hadn't set up the nail gun properly, so even after he pulls the trigger, it doesn't work. We're getting some real Wyatt struggling internally. We even see him... He's uh, he's sitting on the bed. His hand is like resting on his lap. Weird. He's obviously despondent and and experiencing internal turmoil. Which this movie kicks ass at its representation of of people with uh, mental trouble mm-hmm. and and painting them as human beings struggling yeah. with what they're going through rather than just monsters. Yeah. After that, he goes back down to the basement, figures out how to remove the safety mechanism from the nail gun so that he can shoot it without pushing it down onto the board, Uh, sees that it's a real goddamn powerful nail gun, and then goes up to the roof and practices aiming it at the people walking on the street below as he hears the evil fly noise swell up (laughs) around him. Yeah, that is a remarkably powerful nail gun. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I was like, Jesus, I must have paid top dollar for that thing. Yes. Uh, Muscles is uh, in the one of the two rooms, the only two rooms that are at their workplace, the, the ASMR room and the giant empty meeting room. Um, uh, he's talking to Mara. She's acting really weird. And it, she immediately spouts it out that, um, uh, no, he didn't get the promotion, and also uh, he's getting fired. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he, uh, he he tries to play it off like he's cool about it, which is is clearly bothering him. He goes to his desk to go get his shit, and <laughs> stuck to his monitor is a great job dominating asshole, and it's signed signed by everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shot where then he's looking around the room to figure out who did it. And there's like some people that are smiling and other people that are just looking at uh, forward at their monitor as hard as possible. I must look at my monitor right now. Oh, God. <laughs> um, back in the basement, Beardy uh, wants to test out. Well, he goes to the he goes to a convenience store or whatever, but goes to a store and buys some sulfuric acid. Um, asks the guy, uh, you know, reminded me of the boogeyman when they're talking about tea uh, in that store. He asks the uh, guy about, um, well, if I pour this on somebody's face, uh, what what would happen? 
uh, it would probably melt their face off. I would recommend not doing that. Um, also yeah. very similar to uh, Don't Let or whatever the hell it was called, where yes. uh, she goes to the chemist or whatever, and he talks to her about preserving her sli- slice of flesh. Um, yes, this movie has big Dance My Pill vibes. That's a Dance My Pill. <laughs> so he takes the sulfuric acid back to the basement and pours it on a giant slab of bacon. <laughs> and it makes sizzly sounds and steams up, and all of a sudden Muscles shows up and uh, comes down into the basement to let Beardy know that he's been fired. And somehow he's like, all he says is, what's that smell? It smells like shit. And then uh, they go back upstairs. Um, yeah, Beardy wants to talk to Muscles about something, but suddenly there's a knock on the door and it's Mara. Uh, Muscles wants to try to hide, but it, but Beardy basically convinces him to open the door. So they open the door. She's at the door with a bottle of peach schnapps, which she had dis- explained earlier, had some thing about work, and when people lose their job, they get peach schnapps. I don't remember what it was. It was, it was, he gives that, bo- he gives a bottle of peach schnapps to every, like, cute girl oh, whenever that- they start at the job. That's what it was. And so... Someone told her that about her bottle of peach schnapps, and she was like, yeah, I threw it away. And it's part of their weird little, like, am I flirting with you, or am I being a total dick to you that they always do to each other? <laughs> That's true. So so she shows up with the hate schnapps, and uh, they all sit around. Uh, if, he doesn't want her to come over, uh, come in, but then he feels bad, so he, she comes in, and they, they sit around eating sheets of seaweed, and then take out... They have some hearty, hearty chortling uh, where they're sitting on the couch going. <laughs> and then they they chat about Asimov, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then it dawns on me that Mara has a child's voice and that I want to strangle her because of it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> she's just like, no, no, my other favorite was Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, oh, God, give her more seed weed. Seed weed. Seedweed. Uh, Suddenly, Muscles bolts out the door to go to the convenience store and the boogeyman because he wants to buy tea. tea. And then, uh, t- tea. <laughs> Mar- <laughs> that leaves Mara and Beardy back at the house talking, uh, which is a great idea. They talk about uh, how he asks her if she ever hears things, and she says, yes, I, on a fairly regular basis, hear choir sounds in my head, which was really weird. Uh, then he says, oh, uh, has... Uh, Muscle's giving you a tour of the basement and the roof yet? And she's like, no, he hasn't. And so they go down to the basement where he pretty much goes full fucking crazy and uh, is pressing her for the alien war info because it's her voice that's calling him in the middle of the night. Um, For some reason, she's just not into this whole thing, which I can't figure out. Uh, And to the rescue, Muscle shows up. Well, she leaves because she's freaked the fuck out. Muscles shows up. Uh, Beardy is still in his full-on paranoid mode. He's got his tools all packed. Uh, he's got a note that he wrote for Muscles, which is, you know, pretty much laying it all out there. That It ends with, trust me. <laughs> and uh, they have a bit of a confrontation, and then things cool down. Uh, Beardy, again, is woken. It's nighttime now. He's woken with a buzzing phone. We've got the Mara voice. Uh, 
you're too late, soft boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then starts insulting him. It's it's a it's a pretty cool phone call, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things it, the voice says is that they're going to rip him open and spread him out like a red tree. That's and I was like, right. oh, fuck yes, dude. And then right before that, she hangs up, you hear, I love you, Wyatt. It's very threatening. Um, next morning, uh, Muscles is cooking some eggs. Beardy's still talking crazy. Uh, Muscles is really, really trying hard to be there for his friend. Um, he really trusts this dude, which is cool. I like the way it's portrayed. I mean, they you really get the impression that these guys go way back because there's no other reason why anybody would bend over like that for you. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, then we hear that Muscles he confesses that he once tried to uh, commit suicide, and uh, he's, he has already made an appointment for Wyatt to have to go visit his shrink. Um, Wyatt uh, starts talking to... Um, I, put, I put neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> Wyatt chats with neck brace about his paranoia. Um, it's the girl that fell on her face. Anyways, yeah. she, she threatens him for being crazy to Mara down in the basement and basically says, if you ever do anything like that again, I will kill you. I mean, I will kill you. I will kill you. That's that's not playing into his phobias at all. Um, yeah. So he's got his appointment set up. Great. He, uh, let's see. Uh, back at the house. Whoa. Back at the house, Muscles is kind of having a little bit of a meltdown himself. He's burning an M&M with a, like, as he's eating M&Ms and burning one, gets pissed off, knocks a bunch of shit off the table. Um, back to Wyatt, he basically ambushes Mara on the street, uh, while she's walking down the sidewalk, and he's trying to get her to help Muscles. He's worried, you know, he, he feels bad because he, you know, fucked up his chances. Uh, in, to thank him for that, she punches him in the face, judo style, and he falls to the ground in a heap, bloody heap, and she's apologizing. She takes him to that meeting room at her work, yeah. Which was like, what? I guess yeah. that's where she was going, so she just took him there? I don't yeah, know. I'll do first aid at my office. Oh yeah, this is just a guy I punched after he threatened me with lunacy. <laughs> that's kind of strange. Um, she's going to clean the, his blood up. She's got blood on his sleeve, on her sleeve and stuff. Uh, while they're there, he starts hearing the, you know, he suddenly drifts into scared mode, and you hear the flies, and she... We see her hands in a big pool of blood with her, like, fingernails, you know, so you know it's her hands, I guess, whatever. It's weird. And then um, he looks up at her face, and her it's really cool. Her pupils basically roll up into this weird, like, angle, and then up out until she's just got white eyes. Um, and he freaks the fuck out, so, which yeah. is, uh, that was cool. Yeah. I like yeah. that. It was the a little cheesy. But yeah, yeah. But it looked good, you know. It was like, it was effective. It got the point across, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and then it skips forward, and now a pink, swollen-eyed Wyatt shows up uh, back at the house and says that he and Christian should get out of town and maybe, like, go hang out by a lake. Yeah. <laughs> Christian is signing up for the army while this when this happens, and then he just gets on board, and he's like, yeah, all right, I want to know. 
how to, I want to help fight. As long as you promise not to kill anyone, I want to figure out how to help you fight this, whatever this is. And so they're, they're loading up a car. Christian realizes, hey, where'd you get this car? Because he's looking in the back. It looks like it's the car of like some real estate mom. And there's a enormous screwdriver sticking out of where the keyhole is um, and uh and then as they're loading up this car uh wyatt hears three thunderclaps and it, the sky is clear so he realizes that the war has already started he's like let's go back inside it's too late so they go down to the basement. They donned their outfits from the movie The Crazies, which <laughs> I appreciated. And then as they're getting ready and and like like Christian's just like going along with it, he's all gun-ho and Wyatt's taking it very seriously. He starts to hear the evil flies and realizes that maybe Christian is one of them. He doesn't say this and he's just like, Christian, stop it. And Christian's like, you think I'm one of them? All right, what do we do? And so he offers to be tied up. He's like, you know what? It's he says, quote, it's really scary to trust you right now, but that's what this is. So trust me because I trust you. So Wyatt ties him to a chair, gags him with a sock, covers his head with a paper bag and waits with an open bottle of sulfuric acid. Um, he he tells Christian to stop singing. Things get quiet. Christian's body goes limp. The lights go down. Wyatt can see and hear Christian's head moving around menacingly in the bag. The voice in his head starts saying, That is not a human, not a neighbor, not a friend, not a lover, a brother, mother, a father, a wife. That is a monster. That is your enemy, and that is what you must be ready to destroy. All the while, the sounds of Christian's head is making in the bag get all slurpy and meat poppy like you were talking about earlier. Wyatt holds the open bottle of acid dangling over Christian's head. He sees the sock uh, that he gagged Christian with on the floor, but now it's soaked in blood and there's bright white teeth loose around it. It's all getting bad. He he freaks out. He like takes the, the gas mask off. He pulls the bag off of Christian's head. The lights come back on, and it's just Christian, still gagged, almost but not quite crying. Wyatt laughs, ungags Christian, unties him. They hug. Movie over. Movie over. Meme. And then they show a meme on the screen. Um, it's a picture of the two of them, and it says, Find someone who loves you like muscles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh that's the movie. It's um there there's one special effect other than that it's all lighting, all uh, sound design, all uh, excellent cinematography and staging and um I would say about 75% excellent acting. Yeah, there's there's some uh, particularly early on. There's some real awkwardness. It's also possible that 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 was intentional, at least to mm -hmm. a certain extent. Uh, but there, but even still, there's a way to act awkwardness. Whereas this just feels like these guys really do kind of feel a little bit awkward. But they have genuine chemistry. So you know, and and the movie it 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 doesn't really take away. I mean, the the movie. The, the the story flows really well uh, for something that's slow paced for me. I never I never felt bored, and uh, I, it's a, it's a cool little movie to be honest. I I had seen it before, but 
I, I obviously wasn't paying complete attention because there were a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff, particularly in the later part of the film, that I was not re remembering. You know, so it's it's possible I didn't even finish it. Um, and I'm glad you picked it because it was it was a lot of fun. I was worried. I was like, God, what if it? What if I remembered it poorly? And then we we just did the Boogans, which is like a complete <laughs> pile of shit. And then we pick another pile of shit, but we didn't. You picked a fine film. It was only myself who picked the pile of shit. <laughs> I was worried. I even talked about it when we were recording the Boogans episode. I was like, but maybe it sucks. I don't even know. I think the Boogans just makes you doubt everything. The Boogans is, is yeah, it's, it's catastrophically terrible. It's, yeah, it, it, it should just vanish. It doesn't even deserve to be around. It's terrible. Yeah. Big shout out to loathsome fan Ramon for starting a petition to force me to lower my score on the Boogans. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I signed it, my wife signed it, and you signed it. Yes. I love how I can't even get my friends to get on board with my dumb jokes. No, it wasn't my joke, it was Ramon's joke. But I can't I can't even get my friends like I don't have any friends. It's really kind of sad. I don't even have I don't even have a Wyatt or a Christian. I, yeah. No, I'm just talking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> if you if you had to give this film a rating, Yash, from, oh, I'd Ooh. say from zero to five loathsome things, how many loathsome things might thou depart with? I don't know. Oh, like, like a tax. I like it. Um, so I, I think this movie is top notch. Mm -hmm. I think there are some problems with it. Um but I gave it a 4.8 out of 5. Wow. Yeah, I I love this movie. That's uh, higher than I gave the movie Men and the same score as I gave Night of the Living Dead. Um, so, so I want to highlight some flaws. Uh, mostly the camera work is great. Every once in a while, the camera work is distracting. Like, there are a few moments where the camera makes itself known in a way that feels more like the office than, than this kind of movie. Um, kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name? Is it, um, Bill Gunn? Is that the name of the director? He did Ganja and Hess. I can't remember. Um, he would, he would do stuff like that where like the, the, like the, the actor's hair would even like mm. brush up against the camera and stuff like that, which, was great for what it was doing and i feel like maybe perry blackshear was like influenced that by that but at times it it just didn't work here so that was one thing i thought that i i mean it, it looked good but i would have loved to have seen this movie without the facial distortion special yeah. effect because everything in this movie was done without special effects it was all just lighting and makeup and and stagecraft and camera work and acting i agree and it would have been great if he he just like stuck the landing and hadn't have done that uh i i understand why he did it i just i don't think it added to the movie as well uh, or as much as what the doing of that subtracted from it but other than that, I thought it was great. Um, I love the isolation. The I think one of the things that it hit on was the attempt to find someone to share isolation with. So we, we see that with White and Christian, and we also see it with Christian and Mara. Like, he, he has her come into the whisper room with him, 
and and it's it's these people that are just trying to find a little thing where they can be alone but also be with someone and i think it's it's really brilliant he did a lot of things i love the sincere human element the vulnerability that we don't often get in horror movies normally in horror movies the vulnerability is that you are a pile of meat and you are vulnerable to knives and teeth whereas here we're seeing complex human inner lives being vulnerable to the predations of the human condition and i think that is Splendid. Also, the way that he handles mental illness is unlike anything else that I've ever seen in a horror mo- movie, and I applaud it entirely. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I uh, I gave the movie a 3.32, which... Damn! I liked it, I, I, you know, but I, there were... I, I felt like it was a little slow to get off the ground for me. Um, the As I had mentioned, kind of the awkwardness of the performances really kind of took me out of it a bit for the first maybe half hour. Um, and and the, there were moments where, as the movie went on, I got more used to it and it didn't really bother me. But early on, maybe the first half even, wh- you know, when they were trying to like pal around with each other, it just felt so like, what? These guys fucking hate each other. Like, I just didn't, you know, like I didn't, I didn't understand the dynamic. Um, they, they, they didn't, you know. They kind he kind of lays the groundwork for, uh, for Christian being someone who is who is you know surprisingly emotionally vulnerable as well. Um, but it doesn't really flesh that out until later. So he's just, you know, it's like okay, he he's supposedly had some sort of a conversion, but the only real sign of that is that he's kind of handsome and has muscles. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's pretty vulnerable pretty much from the start, and his his attempts to you know be a friend to i mean he obviously loves wyatt like crazy and he essentially would do anything for the guy from what we see and i thought that was cool i thought it was touching because it was actually handled really well i wish no i no, i don't have any problem with that at all that part was great but uh it was a little bit awkward for me there were times where i thought the performance was a little eh, and yeah. uh th- you know that that's kind of stuff kind of took away from me so like for me, there were there were acting moments that were were really good. There were acting moments that were really bad, and so it's just like how do you score that? So I just gave it a, a right, you know, a two point five right in the middle kind of thing. Um, yeah. But you know, other other areas like the sound was you know top rating. Um, the, the acting was probably the thing I I rated the lowest. Uh, it was, but uh, but overall, I did like this movie. It. it uh, it's the kind of movie that I probably won't watch again because I don't need to. I mean, yeah. it, it's even though it, it feels kind of slow paced at the same time, there really is a lot that happens. It's just that it's presented in a more, um, I was going to say organic, but that's not really the exact word that I'm trying to look for, but natural way. Um, you know, it doesn't have a Hollywood or, you know, it's not going for that kind of feel at all. It's not self-conscious about you know it's it's pizzazz or whatever the fuck they do in hollywood films that always you know it's like as soon as you watch one you know you're watching one because they're just glossy uh yeah that shit's just not here uh but not you know it doesn't hurt it it's not like it looks like shit or anything it just doesn't it's its own thing which i thought was really cool but yeah i I liked it i didn't i didn't love it but i did like it um so anyways yeah 
it, it could be intentional, but like, especially the guy who played Wyatt, maybe it was just that I was rewatching it so many times. Like, I know that there were points where it was supposed to deliberately be awkward, mm-hmm. but like, in rewatching it, I was like, I hate this part. Like, whenever he was like, I knew I got my axe for something, I was like, ooh, no, don't, don't say that ever again. And then, oh, I have to watch this movie again and hear him say it again. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, the, the the director, the director had a cameo as Polish guy or something like that, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember who Polish guy was. I didn't either. That was, that was weird. I don't know. I, there, nobody stuck out as I mean he wasn't like hey you want pierogi like there was yeah. none there was none of that <laughs> maybe maybe he uh, maybe he was the guy that ran the hardware store because that guy really felt like just a guy they found at a hardware store that could be hey you like sulfuric yeah. acid how about the band hey. behemoth hey why don't you get it on your face <laughs> oh my god Polish yeah from yeah. Poland yeah so, so the movie after this, the next one, The Siren, is about uh, the actor that plays Christian uh, falls in love with the actor who plays Mara, mm-hmm. and the actor who plays Wyatt thinks that Mara is a monster. And But she is a monster, right? I mean, she looks like a yes. monster in the trailer. She, she's yes. a legit it, siren, I guess. Yes, yeah. She, she eats people and collects their baubles. <laughs> fantastic um spoilers i'll be i'm curious to see what uh blackshear is gonna do next he's he's got a movie in pre-production called mindful um yeah i didn't look too i didn't look into it at all i just saw that from imdb but um this is a really talented director and it's unfortunate that the these actors really haven't done a whole lot outside of this i mean uh evan evan dumichel was in dr sleep but I'm sure it was probably a tiny role. I certainly didn't remember it, but I wouldn't have had any reason to. Um, so was McLeod Andrews. They were both oh, in Doctor He was Sleep. in Doctor Sleep as well. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, other than that, like McLeod and, and Andrews did, uh, he's done a bunch of anime voiceover stuff. Um, no. No? Anamorphs. Anamorphs, that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> and, he's been... He's been doing the Animorphs audiobooks. That's it. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to listen to him, but kids would love no. it. <laughs> uh, Mar- Margaret Ying, Ying Drake uh, also, I wanted to point out, has provided her voice talents uh, for a show called Bubble Guppies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, it fits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think all three of them are great. They should get more work than they do. Um, I mean, there were little moments where, like, maybe one didn't stick the landing in my very inexpert view. But honestly, I feel like it's a little bit of a Hollywood crime that these people aren't getting more work than they're getting. I mean, I'm pretty sure that these people, when they made this this film, I'm I'm fairly certain that these actors did not have a ton of cinema experience, but you know, under their belt. That's something you have to learn, and yeah, I don't know what their background is as far as if they came up in theater or you know whatever. But you know, I mean, making a film is a whole different thing, and trying to present a character that doesn't just come off like something on paper, it's got to be really difficult. And they did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that movie that he's directing, Mindful. 
I'm half looking forward to it and half dreading it. All three of his movies, which they've all been good. Um, he's written, directed, executive produced the whole the whole shebang. Mm. This one, other people wrote it. Other people are producing it. He's just coming on to direct, and it's about a uh, meditation app that is possessed and wants to kill people. Oh, and that's original. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And it is uh, produced by and starring Jenny Slate, who oh, wow. I really enjoy Jenny wow. Slate. But the fact that it is starring and produced by, I'm like, yeah. Interesting. Oh, That's wild. What's happening? I know. <laughs> it's probably, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I, I'm saying that that's something I hadn't heard before jokingly because there's at least one horror novel that came out recently that, that that's the exact premise. And then it dawns on me that it's probably based on that novel. Oh, yeah, like maybe a movie about a haunted elevator, which is an original idea. Oh, Rebecca. Turn it around. (laughs) Turn this ship around. God, you did so well the first time. Uh, Yeah, I just, it was funny. I just watched um, Everything Everywhere all at once uh, yesterday, and I was like, oh, look. Jenny Slate, she's right there. I love nice. Jenny Slate. I, however, fucking hated that movie. Oh, for real? I don't know. I, I hated it. It was just like, okay, that's okay. Is this over yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a bit long, and the ending, it's a bit much, but... Uh, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, hyperkinetic. That was fun. There's definitely yeah. elements I liked, but overall, I hated that fucking movie. I wanted to love it so bad. I love Michelle Yeoh. And speaking of movies, have you seen movies. any or or consumed any cool horror media? Um, I've been mostly watching this and the other Perry Blackshear films. Plus, oh, okay, this is when you watch yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd seen them before, but I hadn't really absorbed oh. them, so I went ahead and rewatched them so I could speak to them. So that's been taking up basically all of my time, except for everything, everywhere, all at once. But also, I have been reading this little book right here, Bones Deep. It is a role-playing game about skeletons who sink to the bottom of the ocean and have adventures on the ocean floor. Sounds very interesting and, and so specific as a basis for an RPG it is. It really is. That's my favorite thing about the new wave of RPGs. Instead of it being like, you are an adventurer and you can have any kind of adventure. Most new RPGs are like, you're going to have this specific kind of adventure and we've designed ways for you to explore that kind of adventure. And this is this is one of them. It's a cool little art house role-playing game. That's really cool. About skeletons exploring the ocean floor. <laughs> and I am digging the book. You should get a copy, all you listeners. You are a femur. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> you you are a scapula. Okay. Those are the only bones I can think of. Did oh you... no, you're playing a whole skeleton. Oh cool. Oh okay, gotcha. Um any other any others? You just playing one bone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you are a humorous. I thought nice. that, that, yeah, it's like your whole team is, like, you know, everybody's a different bone. We're working together. All 200 and something of us. <laughs> it's a real slow moving game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go take a nap. Let me know when it's my role. <laughs> <laughs> that 
Oh, fantastic. What about yourself, John? What horror media have you been uh, uh, consuming and divulging? Um, I, I, I was watching it before we came on, kind of to clear my brain a little bit from this movie. I was watching the uh, Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor that's the latest one. I think it's the fourth. I, I avoided those movies forever because putting LLC, I don't, yeah. need to see a horror movie about a limited liability corporation. It, it just didn't sound very interesting. Um, but it's actually, the, the first movie is actually really good. And uh, the series is actually pretty well done. I mean, it's it's cheesy. It's typical kind of modern haunted, you know, like, like really dark and mean haunted house fare. But it's entertaining. And uh, this movie's no different. And it might be one of the better ones, actually. Uh, so I, that's really the only horror movie I watched. Other than that, I've been, again, just listening to a lot of uh, audiobooks, um, including uh, Luda, which is the first full-length uh, novel written by Grant Morrison, the uh, infamous comic book writer who came up with uh, The Invisibles and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. Nice. I can't remember. He, he's, he's yeah, he, he's notorious. Um, he's a... He's a great writer. He's extremely talented, Scottish, uh, non-binary. And uh, this book is about a drag queen named Luda who is working on a production of this ludicrous musical. And they hire this actor that she discovers, which is another drag queen. Or Well, her name is Lucy. The other, then they bring on this other one named Luda. And it's completely over the top. Like, people start going missing. There's, like, some sort of weird use of occult but it's magic that drag queens use called the glamour nice it's just it's it's just crazy it's a really good book so i i got through that one that was great i uh I listened to the rising by brian Keane. uh i think i may have mentioned that one last time so moving on um now i listened to the uh the Loney, which is like a folk horror author by a british writer named andrew michael hurley uh edited gotten really great reviews it's very good it was a lot of fun i definitely recommend that there's a few others but um yeah i guess i'll I'll, uh moving on speaking of movies i guess it's time for me to pick the next movie um i did a search online for i didn't get the movie out of the search but i did a search online for like unusual like strange forgotten horror films and i pulled up a bunch of stuff. Some of it looked really cool. Orgy of the Dead, 1965, which was like this ridiculous, campy, nudity, nudie film. I started it. It's fucking terrible. Oh. I was like, nope, not doing that. Thesis from 1996, a Spanish film based around like this premise regarding snuff films and stuff. It looked really extreme, but also well-made. Uh, I started it terrible. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Went down the line like that. Uh, there's a Japanese film called Strange Circus that looks really, really good, and I'd still like to cover that, but it the only version I can find is on YouTube, and I'm not going to do that to anybody. Um, then there's one called... There, there's another one called Deathline from 1972 with Donald Pleasance wow. and Christopher Lee. Oh. But I was like, we've done a lot of Donnie, uh, Donnie Pleasance, Donnie P movies. And then you mentioned that the that uh, this episode that you guys are listening to uh, would be on Christmas Eve, I believe. Yes. Um, Wait, not not this one. The, the, not this one. The next one. Yeah, the the one that you're picking a movie to for. 
That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. That, that that one will play on Christmas Eve. And so I figured, well, you know what? I should just pick something that's Christmassy. Then I went down that rabbit hole. There is a fuck ton of shitty Christmas movies. Um, there's one called Santa Claus from Mexico, ni- made in 1959. That's like the devil and Santa Claus like dueling it out or something. Oh, it looked insane. Fuck yes. I thought about doing that. And then I was like, uh, MST3K did it. Oh. Uh, then there was Elves from 1989, which I can't even... It's like the Boogans meets Christmas oh, or something. I don't yeah. know. Then there was some other stuff that I just was like, this is terrible. And then I realized, I'm going to pick something that I know is good. I've already seen it. This is a winner. It's a Christmas movie. Rare Exports Ooh. from Finland. Uh, that was made in... I forget. 2000-something. I forgot to write the date. But anyways... It's a movie about a bunch of corporate douchebags in Finland who are excavating Santa Claus. They've discovered that he's been buried 400-something meters in the earth. Um, these children are kind of spying on them in their little locked-up compound. And they tell their folks about it, and they decide that they're going to abduct uh, Santa Claus from these guys and hold him for ransom. But in the meantime, Santa's elves, which you have to see to believe are uh pissed off that their you know leader has been taken and uh that's kind of the premise and it's fucking insane but it's really well made the performances are great and it's a lot of fun and uh it's 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 pretty much a christmas classic to be honest <laughs> nice i've never so, seen it that's uh 2010 is the year that's it and the director is Shorknork Porkendorf. Jalmari Helander. Oh, I was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyways, I think I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, I think we'll both like it. I don't know if we're going to love it or not, but it's entertaining, and it's definitely its own thing. That's awesome. I'm excited. I've... I don't know if it's been you that's been recommending it to me, but I've, I've, it's been recommended so. to me several times, and it's about goddamn time that I watch it. It's a lot of fun. It's it's available on a bunch of the, like it's I think Pluto has it, Tubi has it, so you know anybody can watch it for free, and it's a decent, you know, it's a it looks good, yeah. so it's not going to be some grainy bucket of shit. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, anything else we need to clear up before we let our listeners go about their merry holly jolly way? By the time you're listening to this, my first ever short story will be published in the. Tales of Slay House 2023 Anthology. That book's available at Amazon. Uh, it's going to be in print and digital. Uh, and I just found out last night that uh, a little 100-word short story that I wrote, micro story, micro fiction, uh, just got accepted for um, pub- a digital publication from a, a publisher out of Australia called Dark Hair. And uh, I will put information on... The loathsome things, you know, uh, social media places. Uh, I just found out last. I just signed the contract right before I came on, so nice. I'll be getting four dollars for that one. Hell yeah! Uh, look out, ladies. <laughs> hey, paid for writing means you're a professional writer. That's fucking awesome. Well, folks, uh, tune in for in two weeks, and uh, we will cover Yalmari Helander's rare exports from 2010, and. Uh, in the meantime, I believe that we're sorry you all have to eat 
sulfuric acid covered bacon. 